podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast. My name is Craig Telfer and on this occasion I am joined by my close associate Sean McGuigan. Hello there. And you know what happens when the Charlie Bucket and Grandpa Joe of the Terrace get together. (laughs) That's right, we are on a trip to a factory owned by an eccentric but well-meaning confectioner to see lower league Scottish football made in real time and who knows, we might get Mm. to steal some lemonade and almost get slaughtered by a large fan in the process. Ah, you know something, I did wonder, because uh, I read I read an interview for that, that kind of Willy Wonka experience. It was an interview with a woman that was captured. She was just yes, in the Oompa played the Oompa Loompa. Yes, yes Kirsty Patterson. I, I, did, I read the same thing as well. I, I did wonder if you would have uh, went down that route, but I wasn't entirely sure how you would do it, but you've managed it. You've managed it. I, well I've managed it, yes. I think that Grandpa Joe, lazy as fuck, just staying in his bed all day with like, three other horrible old people. I'd hate to see what the nick of what's going on under that duvet looks like. And all of a sudden, his, uh, his horrible haircutted grandson gets a ticket to a once-in-a-lifetime trip to a, a chocolate factory and straight away he's up singing and dancing. How <laughs> dare you? How dare you? I don't know if you saw the thing. It was a woman in the United States that was that was done for benefits. Uh, something like that. She was claiming disability. And the use she was as a, 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 a tree throwing contest. <laughs> Pictures of a tree throwing contest, and they're able to use that as evidence against her. You really need to be as fit as a fiddle to be throwing trees. <laughs> trees are trees huge. Is, as far as I'm aware, yeah, trees very huge, very difficult to to mean even pick up, let alone get them a, 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 dis, a competitive distance. So, nevertheless, yeah, she was she was found out. I'd imagine like the British equivalent would be if you were off work. Uh, and said that you, you you couldn't work for for whatever reason because uh, you weren't fit enough. But then you were spotted in that that cheese rolling competition that they have in England. Aye, <laughs> <laughs> or one of those things. You know those those things in the north of England where, where it's like they, about three thousand people want to take like a ball from one part of the town to the other. If your boss saw you punching someone <laughs> in the back of the head when you're, when you're claiming to be off work, you wouldn't have a leg to stand on. No, no, that's you. That's you. You're in you're in big trouble. Yes, uh, so that's that's perhaps the most topical one of these that, that, that we'll do. It was too good an opportunity with the, the Willie's chocolate experience and a lot of the video content that's been coming out of the back of it. Did you see when the when the Moz confronted the 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 guy who runs at the House of Illuminati? Did you see I've, that? I've only read articles, seen pictures, and I but I did go on the I did go on their Facebook page. That was very, very funny. I haven't seen any videos, unfortunately, but I will oh, I'll go and look for them. I, I don't highly, know what is I don't know what is about Exhibitions that are that are clearly a scam. Like normally, mm-hmm. you have to wait until it's normally Christmas. Like normally, mm-hmm. you get like a good oh, couple the winter of them wonderland yes. scams. Yeah, yeah they're brilliant. A, a couple of <laughs> so delighted to see them uh, coming out in February. Uh, that, that's something to keep us going until next Christmas. But there's something about them that is just very, very funny. Yeah, it's, I, I think I mean, obviously the, the locality of this one, it's in a Scottish context, not only here at the Fire Festival and, and like Burning Man and, and so on. I think they were cited in that article that, that, that you and I read earlier today. But the fact that it was in Glasgow and just it looked so shit. And the fact as well, there were so many rubes that fell for it. 
I mean, you, you, you go on, on the website, you look at the images, they're obviously AI-generated images, and the text around them is just complete <laughs> gibberish. They're approximations of the English language. How would anyone part 35 quid and take their family along to see that? And I saw as well that someone set up a, a, a crowdfunder, a GoFundMe page, to, to compensate the children who were disappointed and lost out, that people are paying money towards. You've learned, you, you should have learned your lesson the first time. In fairness, I would have paid £35 to attend, but only to watch people being miserable and angry and children crying. Like, like that was probably worth 35 quid to see the, the anger and rancor that was caused by it. Did you see the, the unknown, the, the thing that was like hiding behind a mirror? Did you see that? Nope. <laughs> it's like a, it was a, they, they created a brand new character for it and it was basically someone wearing a mask and a sort of a, a cape that came out from behind a mirror it was a fictional character made exclusively for Willie's uh, chocolate experience nothing to do with the Roald Dahl book nothing to do with the film from the 70s or, or the Wonka <laughs> or anything to do anything it's not part of the Willy Wonka canon this is purely made up for this uh, Willie's chocolate experience. It's effectively like a phantom that hides in walls and steals chocolate. You, you, um, cannot, take, you cannot take Willy Wonka and, and base your experience on it and then make up your own characters. You, 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 well, they did. They, they, <laughs> they, they, they did. If you've got a problem about it, Sean, go and complain to the House of Illuminati, the people that were running it, and you'll see all these, it's quite funny, these Facebook mods sort of with their, their camera phones out, almost like a pedo had moved in next door and they're around there to kick him out. <laughs> Remember that happened at your last place? Yes! <laughs> <laughs> that was really funny. That was really funny. I mean, I mean, I might as well tell the story about it if I've not told it already. I mean, we've got, we've got another five minutes till we need to actually get in and talk about the football anyway. But what had happened here was I was... This was so this would have been the, the summer of 2020. I was staying in Falkirk at the time. And for anyone from, from the local area who knows where Falkirk, it was next to the, the Karen Co-op. It was in the, the newer houses that were built there. At the, the roundabout near Bainsford, new Karen takes you down towards Stennismuir. So I was staying there and I was seeing a girl at the time. And I remember going out, she stayed in like steps. So I remember driving out to see her, had a, a nice night with her and then came back. And when I came back, like, I had a couple of text messages from my brother and he was telling me like, there's something happening close close to your house. <laughs> And so I, I, I was kind of like flicking through the text. You know, you shouldn't be doing it when you're driving, but just having a look at the text messages coming in. And then sure enough, just as I come down, the street is absolutely, it's cordoned off by police. And, and basically, I, I think it was a, a, a known sex offender had been moved into a, a property there uh, and the, the public were not happy about it. And someone was live streaming it on, on Facebook. I mean, it was pretty uneventful. Let's be honest. It was, I, I think there were, there was somebody was going to be moving in, but there, there was no one there. I think a rumour had circulated, police had got involved. Nothing interesting happened, but it's very interesting to see that sort of thing happening in, in real time, just yards from your house. It's not what you expect to find uh, when you come home in an evening. No, it, it's not. And I just say, thank God it was somebody else's house and not mine. It'd be horrendous if it had been a case of mistaken identity. I'm, I'm sure there was a, a... I think it was in, in Portsmouth, and uh, there was like a rumour had spread that... Uh, uh, a, a paedophile had moved in but it turned out it was a paediatrician <laughs> <laughs> but they'd like panned his windows in and kind of dobbed that's paint all I, over his door uh, that's the problem the, the first syllable of that word's a bit of a, a bit of a misnomer isn't it you put the word ped in front of something <laughs> you're asking for bother 
Aye. Uh, I, 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 I remember listening to uh, a, a podcast about these sort of like vigilante paedophile hunters. I mean, we're really going off tangent here. We're supposed to have a mailbag. We're supposed to have a laugh talking about the lower leagues. Just leave it at that. Just nobody needs to hear about this podcast. The Wolf Pack, and I'm not talking about the WCW version, uh, that, that just basically posed as uh, underage uh, people to, to snare these uh, these wrong-uns, and then they'd present a dossier mm-hmm. and, and, and in front of them and corner them and, and, and live stream it. I mean, it seems very effective. I'm aware of them. It seems to, be, it seems to work, certainly. It lures them out. Yes, but you kind of got to ask yourself the, the, the mentality of somebody who, so what are you up to tonight? I'm just going to the gym, what about yourself? Just going online to pose as a 12-year-old boy. I mean, in fairness, as much as I'm saying it's effective, if, like if somebody asked me to join, I, I, I would say no. I would say, listen, I'm, I'm a busy man. Yeah, I've got I've got enough on play. I've used the terraces back. That's the, that's that's taken up a lot of my time. I'm, I'm not going to be able to. I'm not willing to go online to the same extent as I would like to. Maybe if they asked me to join between May and August, maybe, <laughs> maybe I could help out on a temporary basis. <laughs> hey, do you want to get into the, the podcast then, Sean? Yes, yeah, I probably should. The podcast that Sean and I are recording. This is part two of our lower league mailbag. We mentioned last week there was dozens of questions that came in. A lot of them pretty good. So we did half of them last week and we're going to do half of them this week. If you thought that we were going to be talking about Stennis Muir 1, Clyde 6, then yes, we will be discussing it, but it's going to be on our Patreon. If you think I'm going to relive that match for free, you must be, you must be mad. You're going to have to get your wallets out and listen to, to Sean and I talk about that. For the, probably the most remarkable, unexpected result in the, the whole of the SPFL so far this season. We'll be discussing that on Patreon. But for now, it's mailbag. Are you good otherwise, Sean? Just we always I'm, check yeah, in. Yeah, very much so. <clears throat> Absolutely. Absolutely. You? No, no, I'm, I've had uh, flat problems today. Oh. I won't go into it. I've shared them with you. I've got a leak in my flat. I don't know who's st- the person that stays above me. The flat's empty. There are some cowboy builders in there who told me they would fix the, the problem. They haven't, and I'm just worried that... Um, yeah, I'm just worried. <laughs> as simple as that. No, I thought you were going to say some conciliatory there, oh, Sean. No, sorry, uh, I, I couldn't hear you. You, you paused. Oh, right. Well, that doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. I'm, I, I, let's get on with the podcast. Yeah, let's. let's get on with the podcast. That's, that's nearly 10 minutes of talking about um, the Willy Wonka experience and coming home to finding a very angry mob live streaming a house just yards from your own. This first question, Sean, this is from Scotch and Scars. Which youth prospect at your respective clubs did you think was nailed on to be a star but ended up falling by the wayside for one reason or another? I would probably go for it. So I had two. So one... That's far more up to date, I suppose. And one was from the early two thousands. Uh, so, in terms of one from the the earlier one, I suppose the, the fantastic surname. You ever heard of Ryan Blackadder? Yes, I'm sure he went on to play for East Fife. I think. Yeah, that's right. But it's like, I mean, he he came into Antonio Calderon's team in about two thousand and two ish. I think was eighteen, uh, Middler Park. And bear in mind that was a—I mean, it was a good third tier side that we had at that time. Some talented Scottish players, some uh, maverick Argentinians, I suppose. But he—I mean—he looked a real player, hmm. and I, I, I appreciate that when they come through, and it doesn't always like the the, the career doesn't always go on a kind of upward trajectory. But even at eighteen, it, it looked like he had more than enough about him to be a, a yeah. good third tier player. Ended up playing for, in fact, he got picked for Scotland under 21s uh, at, at that point. Ended up only being at Starts Park for about 18 months. 
Uh, he spoke highly of Calderon. I, I think there may have been some issues with his maybe his attitude, I suppose, mm-hmm. or certain rumours about his attitude, I should say. Ended up going to Hamilton. I mean, Wraith got promoted. He went back down the league to, to Hamilton. They then got promoted. Didn't play too many games for them, as you say, down to East Fife. But within, I think within seven years of coming through at Starts Park, so maybe 25, 26, he was playing for Glenrothes. And you think, like, how on earth could that happen? How do you go from yeah. being a player that looked like a real standout at the third tier, Scotland under the 21s, and then you're playing for actually a, like a really bad, like not even a good junior team. It, it mm. didn't make a lick of sense. I must. I think be interesting to know. Like I'm sure that there's been studies being done, but why players don't make it? Guys who are supremely talented and, and stand out head and shoulders above every other boy at their age range. Why they don't make it and other boys do? And I'm surely it's just it's just up here. Mm-hmm. It has. I mean, obviously there are factors about fitness and so on, but I think it must be up here. Like if you, you have to have the desire to do it and just think that. When you get signed for a big club or when you break into the Wraith Rovers first team, you've not made it. This is the start of it. And sometimes people can think, well, now I'm in the first team. I don't need to, to try as hard. And then you, you see them sinking down and uh, they, they get distracted by things that happen elsewhere, off the park, nights out and so on. It's, it's disappointing. It can be disappointing to see. Because it would have been good to have a, a really talented Scottish player called Blackadder. It would have been a lot of fun there. Yes, I'm trying to think of the, the headlines. Um, Rackadder, as he scores loads of goals. And he was playing next to the fourth. So again, there could have been some kind of wordplay there as well. I don't know. Blackadder goes fourth. Yes. There he scores a goal, Blackadder the third and so on, mm-hmm. etc. Et yeah, et yeah. Never seen Blackadder before. Oh, really? No. Um, well, I mean, it's actually, I mean, it's reasonably good. So I can imagine that you, why you would sidestep it. No, I'll be watching, and this is something that Craig Cairns recommended to me a couple of years ago. It's a program called Ouija's. You mm-hmm. get it on Amazon Prime. Right. It's about, as the name might suggest, a group of young people that are trying to make their way in Glasgow. It was made for a budget of about £90 for the entire season, and it shows. There's one bit, because I've watched it loads of times now, so I'm actually less in- interested in what's going on in it than some of the wee like continuity gaffes and production gaffes. And there's a bit where they're filming uh, uh, two girls and a guy that, that share a flat together. And there's a picture frame and there's nothing in it. And, and to me, that's just, we need to put something on this table here. Can we put a picture in it? No, we don't have one. So it just says, you can sort of see it just like a focus. Photo frame that's in it. And I can see what they're trying to do. I think that's, I can, I can see the ambition, but they were, they were very, very hamstrung by a uh, lack of money and a, a bad script. As well, yeah. I don't want to denigrate everyone because I'm, I'm, we, we are. Say, I am. We are in the, the same sort of industry, and but it's just this is this is this is Craig Cairns was right to recommend it to me. Right, so okay. I thought I'm gr- very grateful for that from him. I mean, you can you can have brought that up as if it was a reason that you hadn't watched Blackadder. I mean, the last oh. season of Blackadder was about thirty years ago. Yeah, was that one they go over the top? Yes. Yes, I've seen. I've seen that. I think I remember watching a countdown of Britain's funniest TV moments. Obviously, that wasn't in. I think no, that was be- yeah, that was must have been Britain's best TV moments. I can't remember was it number one. Oh, I did. it would have been bloody uh, Del Boy falling through a bar or something. Yes, that makes sense. That that make that makes a lot of sense. That's 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 very funny. That's very funny. I think my favourite was my favourite all time comedy. It'll be from The Office. I think the always bit that I, that I laugh at the most will be when David Brent addresses the Swindon lot for the first time. Do you know the scene I'm talking about? Uh, I, I mean, I've, I have watched Office, but I 
Like just once. So like, you'll have watched it like several dozen times. I've watched it, watched it hundreds of times. But the bit when he's trying to ingratiate himself with the new Swindon lot after the, the Slough and Swindon branches have merged and he makes a joke. I've always been in paper. My parents owned a paper shop till it blew away. Uh, I find that sort of stuff hilarious. I find that I find those jokes really, really funny. But obviously it doesn't and 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 it's there's no one laughing at it. But nevertheless, very, very funny scene. I actually had to think about this, Sean, in terms of like good young players that, that have come through at Steny. And there hasn't been that many. Most of the good players that we've had have, have been on loan. So I'm kind of going to focus on a couple that, that, that spring to mind. There's one boy called Scott McManus who came around, it must be in the year about 2007, 2008. And he was young, young boy, quite sprightly striker, could play up front, could play out wide. And he had sort of like blonde highlights to his hair. And this is after we'd sold David Templeton to Heart of Midlothian. Who I think Templeton injuries obviously played played a factor. But I think Templeton's had a like a decent career yeah. over over the over the piece. Got to play for Rangers. Got to play for the team you support. So I always think that's that's great if you get the chance to, to do that. Not everyone can can do that. But Scott McManus was apparently he had gone on trial at Rangers. He might have been Walter Smith's grandson or some some. Do you think he was related to Walter Smith in some way? And I remember him looking quite spry. But it never quite happened for him. And I think he went to Stranraer for a season and then just, just disappeared out, out completely altogether. So I hope he's still well. I imagine he'll just be a wee bit younger than me if he's still kicking a ball. But that was someone I, I thought that when you see him for the first time, this guy's really good. But then he just becomes just another jobbing uh, player. Um, I'm trying to think because you'll never heard of most of these guys. Oh, I'll tell you, the, the, ones, the ones who I thought were good because they, both, they were both a season apart from each other. One was Paul McMullen. Mm-hmm. We had a loan from Celtic. Now again, McMullen, you could say he's still playing full time football. He's playing it over in Ireland. Played with Dundee. I think he was sort of in that um, that Josh Mullen, John Baird, uh-huh. Darren Huckerby type. When you're you're a really good championship player, but not quite good enough for the Premiership. But I remember when he came to us, I thought this guy was an absolute superstar. Really, really enjoyed watching. Him. I always thought his, his his height and build might count against him, but in terms of just his 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 bravery on the ball, his gallusness, and just wanted to take people on and run at people. I thought I was really excited by him. And the other one is Willis Furtado, who a ah. player that, that you might know as well. I remember seeing him coming into Stensby and thinking, what on earth are you doing here? Just how on earth is this sort of like this Frenchman like pitched up in, in Steny? I think he was he was quite good. I think he was perhaps a wee bit distracted with uh, too many nights out in Sterling, which might have may have curtailed um, his chances at Steny, but he played at Wraith Rovers and now I've just checked he's playing his football in Malta, so it's still good to see that he's he's kicking the ball. But I remember McMullen and Furtado thinking, I think these guys have got a, a big future. And I suppose it's they are still playing, so am I disappointed by it? I don't know. I'd actually misread the question. I just thought it was generally a player that you were you're like, so I had to really think in my feet when I was reading that out to you. I was going to look for Harry Cochran, was the one I was going to mention. He's not at Davis Steny. He's absolutely not a Dewey I and uh, Furtado was a funny one because he I'm trying to think where Wraith got him from. Had he no, it was Steny. Did, did he go from Steny to Wraith immediately? I had in my head that he'd been that he hadn't been playing for a bit or he'd been playing Airdrie team. He, he went to Airdrie after Steny. Right. Because he basically when he, he he rocked up at, at Starts Park, despite the fact that he would have been doing full time training at the time, within maybe six weeks. Of, of being in Kirkcaldy, he'd put on a, looked like he'd put on maybe a stone and a half. Aye. But the flat that he stayed in, that the, the club owned, was right across from a, like a really good chip shop called Valenti's. Apparently, he was there he every go. night. 
just every night for his dinner. Yeah, uh, and and because he, he scored a, he scored an absolutely incredible goal at Hamden against Queen's Park. I think Wraith won five two that day, and I was like, my goodness, here's a kind of final piece here. Wraith are going to win the league. Air United are going to finish second, and he will. He will be the kind of final piece of the puzzle that will that will get us over the line and, and win the league. And within kind of six or seven weeks, he was so out, so out of shape. It was unbelievable. <laughs> I was like, ah, he he isn't the final piece of the puzzle. Ah, uh, so so there was his, that was his problem. Stance. We were too many nights out in Sterling and his problem with Rovers. Too many nights out in Valentis. <laughs> simple, simple as that. We'll move on to this question from Mark McDonald. With the League One and League Two titles wrapped up already, careful, Mark. Mm. Do you think that the relegation teams in the playoffs have an edge, playing more competitive games than the run up to the end of the season? Teams like Peterhead and Ackies have very little to play for until then. Will the race to avoid the drop in the Championship and League One? Looks like it's going down to the wire. I, I, I think in theory it has a point. Mm. I, I don't I know, know if it, it works in practice. Nah. And even like the, the stuff that we've said about playoffs in the past about if you go into them yeah. with a bit of momentum behind you, a bit of kind of wind in your sails, then surely you have a better chance. I don't know if that's the case either. Like you, you saw, like remember when Brechin like won the playoffs and got promoted to the championship, they'd won something like, I think they won one in their last six games or something. Yeah. I, I don't think there is one kind of cast iron theory or suggestion about how you go into the playoffs and what's the best way to, to go into them. I, I, I think a lot of what he says uh, holds water, but um, I, I'm not so sure. I, I, I must admit, I've said for a, the majority of this season that I, I think one team will get promoted from, from League One, but I just think it's because the quality, I know the championship is not, isn't of the highest quality, but I think there's far fewer terrible teams in the championship this season than, than maybe certainly last season. So I do I, think whoever finishes ninth will probably win the playoffs. I think so. Yeah, I, th- I think so. I think that if you you kind of look at the teams, I suppose though, I mean, who who's in pole position to finish ninth? Inverness, Caledonian, Thistle at the moment, sort of Dunfermline. If they were to come up against like the likes of Alwa, Montrose, the team, the team, the teams, how would you how would you fancy that to go? Because been like Alwa doing really really well under at the moment under Andy Graham. But I do think there is there is a big jump between there is obviously a big jump between divisions. But I think that other than our broth, who really seemed like an outlier in the championship this season, I mean, did you get a chance to watch the highlights of the game against Queens Park? Still not watched it yet. Oh my goodness, my goodness, that's, that's dog shit. There's no other way to describe it. <laughs> embarrassing, absolutely embarrassing. Apparently, I was reading on Pie and Bovril, they set up in a four six zero formation and still got done in the counter. <laughs> <laughs> Still got good. She was like, "What? What happened? What? What happened, Arbro?" Um, but yeah, Arbro seem a bit of an outlier. They're, I think, their favourites to go down, especially after after that result. Who knows? He might be Wraith Rovers the one from Friday. I, night. I'm worried about it. I'm worried about the. Uh, I know it's a, a total cliche, but a, a reaction from them yes. on uh, on Friday evening. Mm, I, 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 I don't think the only reaction you're going to get is Ali Adams tweeting laughing face emojis after Max Boric chucks in yet another <laughs> goal. Uh, but yeah, and I think that I can see, I, I can see Fal- Falkirk will go up. I don't think anyone else will follow them up. I'd like to see Aloha go up, obviously, because I'd like Montrose to go up as well, because I'm, I'm a big fan of both Andy Graham and, and Stuart Peach, respectively. In League, the gap between League One and League Two, however, you're going to imagine it's Annan Athletic that are going to finish in ninth place. They're going to come up against the likes of Dumbarton, Spartans. Peterhead, maybe Stennis Muir or something terrible happens. And I'd fancy 
uh, Annan are playing quite well at the moment. I think they've had so they've they've picked up a couple of decent results. But even so, I would still fancy, I'd still fancy whoever the the, the League Two team to to beat them. Uh, aye, that that certainly feels a that certainly feels a lot closer. So in that scenario, like let like it almost feels like those playoff positions they're not set in stone, but it feels like they are they are kind of nailed on more so than than maybe the. The League One places because that that's probably two from any three when you chuck mm-hmm. in Cove. But I, as much as what I kind of agree with Mark, but I, I just I, I don't think there's ever a, a cut and dry theory about who is going to be the favourites. And well, we know who the favourites. You could pick a favourite in the playoffs. It, it very often doesn't work out that way for for no reason. You can you can kind of uh, stick a pin in. I wonder if there's ever a team and I need to go back and check who absolutely were flying as they went into the playoffs and got fucking smashed in them in the first game. I need to go back and check. I didn't do that for this, so I'm sorry. I, I, mean, remember, uh, I, mean, I mean, remember the, the season that, that Cowdenbeath managed to beat Cove. I mean, Cowdenbeath had been bottom for, oh, uh, yeah, two yeah. for a long, long time. Cove Rangers were winning every single week and yet Cowdenbeath were still, uh, still able to, to beat them. Was it 3-2? I think maybe 0-0? Up in Aberdeen and then three two at, uh, at Central Park. Oh, I remember the the two things I remember in that match was like a goalkeeper getting flattened and someone scoring from about sixty yards, mm-hmm. and then a stricken Brian Gilfillan waving his crutches, <laughs> telling the Cove f- f- directors to get back up the road. That's the only things I really remember from those games. But they did the same against like East Kilbride mm-hmm. as well. Count me, think successive years, didn't they? They managed to yep. to win the playoffs. They did. Yep. Uh, so who knows? Who knows? I need definitely need to need need to go back and check that. But I I think it's in theory if you went into the playoffs you want to be going there into a bit of form. And I hate I hate using this term as a bit of a lottery. Maybe maybe that's it, Sean. We're coming up for like the playoffs have been on the go since what two thousand five two thousand and six. So maybe as we come up for the twentieth anniversary, it's time to sit down and analyse. The players. Maybe that's we could do that for a for a podcast. That's a, that's another idea for a podcast. But we'll, we'll talk about that off here. We'll Craig, Craig, off Craig Anderson must have a spreadsheet somewhere that analyzes he, all of that. He must have a. I, I, if he doesn't have a spreadsheet, I'd be. Oh, you're slacking a wee bit, Craig. Is everything okay? <laughs> and they, 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 then we learn. Um, no, so that's a, a callback to a joke, <laughs> a joke from yesterday. He's like with Craig Anderson. It's like very, very rarely, and I say very rarely. It's like there's. You're probably more likely to die in an in a in an airplane than Craig Landerson is to likely to get something wrong. But when he does get something wrong, you think, "Oh, something's up here. You're losing your touch, big man." Everyone okay? Everyone okay up here? Hey, uh, Sean, we will move on to the question of John Fraser. Nice and easy one. In a Royal Rumble of lower league managers, who is coming out winner and who'd be out first? So. In, in terms of winners, I'd, I've got a short list of three. Okay. I, I would imagine that you have at least one of these. I I just basically went for, for one, the winner and the loser. So give me your three and I'll tell you if my, my guy's on it. Right, okay. So I, in, in terms of aggression, in terms of who's the hardest, <laughs> yes. it has to be Duncan Ferguson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely, it has for, to be. I've gone for Duncan Ferguson, yeah. I just think, I mean, the guy's what, he's like six foot four. You mm-hmm. ever see that video of him? I mean, he's shot like a, on a very, very old camera phone, but he's on the punch bag when he's training at Everton. No. He, he's about to take the thing off the ceiling. He's absolutely, absolutely going for it. And I mean, I know he's a bit older now, but I think that underneath that cheery banter boy persona, he would garrote you. Is, was it Stephen, was it Stephen Everson that he was strangling one day during a game yes. of football? That's right. Yeah, uh, I mean, the, his hands are hands are enormous. 
But he's been the, the size of Duncan Ferguson, actually, he is probably big enough at 6'4 to be the size of a professional wrestler as well. So no, get him be, in there, sign him up, Vince. I, I mean, so I, I have him, and I can understand why. Uh, I did have another couple of options. Uh, one is just Dick Campbell, less aggression, more, just more mass. He would go in there as a legend. That's something like the WWE like to do is put legends in the Royal Rumble occasionally and they come down, he'll do his, he'll get his entrance and so on with a cap, throw it off into the crowd and then he'll get to do a couple of moves and maybe do a couple of moves, get his, uh, get his spotlight and then get chucked out. So I don't think he'd win it, but I think he would get a chance to express himself. I mean, I mean, all my wrestling uh, kind of comparisons are from the early 90s and I suppose he is a bit like uh, Hurricane and Typhoon. Of the natural disasters, difficult, Sean, difficult Sean, to eliminate. It's earthquake and oh, typhoon. Earth, earthquake and typhoon. What did I say? Oh. Hurricane. You are getting a measure. Every single person that's like the Venn diagram of people who like wrestling to listen to the terrace is a concentric circle, and you get people. Eh, it's actually earthquake and typhoon. Sorry, uh, that is that's that's terrible for me. The other one, like moving on quickly. The other mm-hmm. one. Now, this isn't somebody who is either hard or has a lot of mass. But I do think he would go in there with a plan. And I think Michael McIndoe. Now, you know how in the Royal Rumble, you have to go over the top rope. Yeah. Over the top rope and then two feet hit the ground. What if you go under and then he would hide under the ring until there's maybe only one or two left? That's and then he'd right. Spring out. You see that a lot. I can imagine him trying to, like, like uh, he gets put in there with a really big guy. He tries to bribe them or something like that or, or promise a 15% return on their investment. <laughs> Some, something, something like that, and then then he gets out. That's that's actually a, a very good point. No, I had gone for I gone for Duncan Ferguson for for those reasons alone that he actually could be a professional wrestler. But if uh, Ferguson is winning it, then who is first out? So initially, I maybe thought Chris Doolin. Like he seems quite nice, seems quite meek. But that's not going to do you any anything. That's not going to do any good in the Royal Rumble. But then I was like, no, no, uh, John McGlynn, because you could just steal his glasses. <laughs> and then he wouldn't know where the attack was coming from so he'd probably be, he'd certainly be one of the first do you know that scene in The Mummy when the guy loses his glasses and he's fumbling around for them and he gets absolutely bodied that's John McGlynn somebody slaps him on the back of the head and then he's then, then, then he's out he's, he's fumbling around like Thelma from, Velma even from, from Scooby-Doo no I went for a man who looks more likely to get um, mugged off by the staff in a local timber yard, knows he's been mugged off but won't complain. Doogie Samuel, the Spartans manager. Yeah. That's how I went for. Yeah, that I don't, I don't know sense. much about him. Seems like a nice enough guy, but he looks like the sort of person that he would get somebody in a, 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 a hotel, sorry, somebody in a, a coffee shop would give him the wrong change. Mm-hmm. He knows he's got the wrong change, but he wouldn't say anything about it. He's just too nice. He's and just that, too nice. Again, oh. that is no good in the Royal Rumble. Oh, is that the change? No, no, that's, that, that, that's fine. Thank you. And he goes back to his I think they've given me the wrong change there. Go up and say something. No, I, I don't want to cause a fuss. Good manager. Really good season. Mm-hmm. Okay, now this is one from Ross Alexander. What do you think the biggest gap is between the leagues in Scotland? Given the number of teams that move up, the boring answer is probably the Premiership to the Championship. But I'd love to hear your thoughts as far down as the Highlands slash Lowland League and where the biggest jump in class is. I don't know. I don't know if the... I'd, I know you said the boring answer is championship to premiership. I don't know if that's, I don't know if it is. Oh, no, it is, man. That's, that's so? the biggest leap. As you look at the, who was it that was in the playoffs? Like, who did St. Who did St. Johnson beat in the playoffs? They absolutely demolished. Was it Cali Thistle a couple of years ago? Yeah, it was. It was Cali Thistle. They absolutely uh, obliterated them. But did, 
I mean, I, I didn't go back to check, which maybe would have backed up my argument or or obliterated my argument. But like, how often do newly promoted teams from the like teams that win the championship? How often do they come straight back down? It doesn't feel like they do it that often. No, that's I suppose if that that's what you if that's what your um, recipe of success is, then that's a fair point. I'm trying to think who was the, the, the last team that, that was promoted and went straight back down. Am I have a discussion? Dunfermline. That might have been Dunfermline, and that was my good. That was a long time ago. It might have been Dundee. Did Dundee get promoted? I'm trying to think when that time that you got absolutely slagged off um, by Charlie Adam. Yeah, they went. They went. They, yes, that's right. They went up under McPeak. Straight via playoffs yep. straight back down and that's yep. when Mark McGee um, threatened to to take all his clothes off <laughs> turn off the heating stop eating take all his clothes off I, I think the biggest leap is from the is from League One to, to, to the Championship I, 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 I can see I can see you thinking behind that because you're you generally like I know it doesn't quite work out exact now but generally speaking you're going from a, a part-time league to a full-time league and that by definition, is like a massive, a massive, massive leap. And I know we've seen loads of good examples of, of part-time teams making a, a really good fist of it. That almost feels like certainly something that's maybe happened in the last 10 years. I think before that, part-time mm. teams really struggled in, in the championship. So maybe, as I, I suppose we've discussed at various points, it isn't quite, being part-time isn't quite the the impediment that, that it used to be. But I, I still think that is the, the biggest leap in, in Scotland. I wonder about the, 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 I suppose you could also say the team that, if you're looking at the gap between the, the Lowland League, the Highland League and the SPFL, I suppose your barometer for that is that every team that has come up since the, the leagues were opened up is, is, is all gone on to have some degree of success. And I know that success is a, 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 a funny thing in this regard because there are some teams that pay a lot of money like Kelty, Cove Rangers pay, pay, pay a lot of money and Cove Rangers went into the champ, championships I suppose that that's but it, it's, that, that's that's the interesting thing because I don't think these are I've said that before about um, Kelty they might have been like a Lowland League club but they weren't like a Lowland League team if Aye. you know what I mean the amount of money that was paid them so it's quite difficult I mean I look at that for instance this East Kilbride team who have just signed yet another player earlier today. They brought in Sean Fagan from Albion Rovers and they don't feel like a, a Lowland League team. So it's, it's, it's hard to put your finger on. You can spend your way out of that division. I suppose you can spend your way out of any division. It's, it, it, it's difficult. <sighs> I, I, like, I think in terms of if you're going to, if, if you wanted to, to put this, com- this discussion all the way down to Lowland League, it's quite difficult, I suppose, because in terms of in general, I think the jump from Lowland League to, to League Two is the highest. However, in terms of ambitious clubs, in, are you putting ambitious clubs in, in sort yes, of like, yeah. and in very commas, yes, then no, there isn't a big difference between them and, and clubs in League Two. But in general, the Lowland League is terrible. I, I the best, I, I, I quite feel like I'm quite qualified to talk about this and I've spoken about this a number of times in this podcast was when Stephen Swift was building his very first team at Stennis Muir he signed a number of players from the Lowland League six players from his BSC Glasgow team somebody from like East Stirlingshire uh, Craig Reed who'd, who'd won the league at, at Kelty Hearts to be fair to him and you saw that for a lot of these guys, the, the step up was just too good from the step up in fitness, the step up in quality. People like to say, oh, there's not much difference between these divisions. There is. And maybe the mistake was taking too many of them at the, the same time. So effectively, you're not 
raising. So if you maybe you take one or two of these guys who are the better players, you bring them in with the experienced SPFL players, they get raised to the standard mm-hmm. of the SPFL. But it felt like with that Stennis Muir team was that the team was getting brought down to a, a Lowland League standard. So I, I don't know if that's a... Has that answered your question, Ross? Is that answer your question? What is the biggest gap? I'm not getting a definitive answer. What do I think the biggest gap is? Maybe. Maybe it's... A, somebody said this as well. That I saw that there was a discussion about it. I think it was in our Terrace podcast WhatsApp group chat. That if Falkirk get promoted and say and no one else, no one else goes up, they basically swap places with our growth. You're kind of getting, and that was it. Livingston come down, Dundee United go back, go up. You're kind of getting Scottish football based on like big teams, all the way down to the smaller teams. Yeah, because it's felt like for a while now, it's been unusually skewed, and that you have teams in the championship that you maybe don't expect to to be there. You have teams in League One that you absolutely don't expect to to be there that that might drop in. Like I know Wraith do drop in there reasonably uh, often but you don't expect Falkirk to be there okay Dunfermline have now done it a couple of times but again not a, a, a club that you would associate with League One and you're right next season it might be kind of where you would expect most yeah. teams to be he said that about Queen's Park might be the outliers for that but this is a different Queen's, Queen's Park are ah. sort of in a different realm now given Queen's the Park fact that yes they're, they're, they're full time and a lot less a lot less likeable but really Sean and, and anyone else listening do check out the highlights of that game against our growth. It was, it, it, you know, the sort of thing. I remember my mum used to say that oh, when it gets to two, they should just they should just leave it at that. It's like no, this was this was very much foot on the throat sort of uh, sort of sort of stuff. Question for David Farquharson: If money was no issue, what would be the one thing that Sean and Craig would do to Starks Park and Oakview respectively to improve the layout of the ground and therefore the match day experience? So. At Starts Park, money no object. The, the the places I actually used to watch the game from when I was wee and I first started going, you actually could no longer watch the games from there. So the the railway stand used to be a stand all the way along. There's now only a small section towards the towards the away end. They ripped all the seats out. Not really used. Uh, no really fit for purpose. They'd have to do a lot to that. But the the other side, so see just behind the dugouts. So that used to be the the enclosure. So that you used to be able to stand there and watch the game. But when they built, I think could be wrong with the timing here, but I think when they built the those stands behind each goal, they raised the pitch. Right. So because they raised the pitch, if you were to stand in the enclosure now, rather than being like I don't know level with the park and just looking at it, you're almost kind of looking up. Oh. But again, it was like a brilliant, like it was just a brilliant place to watch football. And yeah. when I first started going. All the the kind of kids see because there's like a so there's a wall that kind of ends next to the dugout. So there's two dugouts and then the, the wall continues. But the kids used to sit on the wall next to the dugouts. So you would have like maybe you and ten others would be sitting there on the wall and they'd be the Ray Throwers substitutes and Frank Connor. And it was just like it was just, <laughs> I, I would never go. I would never go next to the dugout because I was I was kind of too scared to go near Frank Connor and too scared of the subs. I was just too shy. It was always like the people that the kids that are a wee bit more confident that would go right next to the dugout. But it was just a brilliant place to watch football. If they could, I suppose they could raise the they could raise the ground where the enclosure used to be, so that you're kind of at a decent level to watch the football again. If if that was usable, I would do that. And something that John said, like John Sim, was like full of ideas. Some mm. of them awful, as uh, as <laughs> as we obviously are aware of. 
but I know that he was keen to use the railway stand as for for hospitality. Yeah. So see if you could do something and have like glass like a glass front, watch the game for there. The problem that you have there is any kind of construction work is limited by the fact that yeah. you've got the railway line directly behind. So again, I think that's like a I think that's a non starter. But it's a it's a shame that probably the two best areas to watch the football from at Starts Park are kind of out of bounds. So I would definitely mm-hmm. do something with with that. It's Stennis Muir. I think Stennis Muir is a really good ground for lower league football. Mm-hmm. I think the the Norway stand is is good to watch though because it's quite it, it's quite steep as well. So I think if you go up the back, you actually get a very mm-hmm. good view yep. of the game. So I'm, I'm lucky my seat's in the, the, the back row there. So I, I, I get a very good view of the game uh, most weeks. In fact, most weeks, every week, get a good view of the game every week. And I think that you've got the covered terracing behind the goal, the Donald Smiley enclosure which again is another really good place to watch football. It's like very old fashioned, proper, like old school terracing. And that's where a lot of Stennisville's best goals have been scored into, into that and some really iconic moments. If I was to do one thing, however, to the ground, and this is something you might see this week because we're going to hospitality at Stenny in next month. And I think about three weeks, we're going to go to hospitality for uh, Stennisville versus Peterhead. I'd like to see the stand be like white, bigger. And what I mean by that is because the hospitality can be a bit narrow. The corridors can be a bit narrow. And I just think that sometimes in the hospitality can be a bit like cramped in. So I'd like to see if it was made bigger and the spaces like the Ormond Suite and the viewing gallery and so on, if they were made bigger, I think that would make a better experience for, for hospitality. I do think though that, that Stennis Muir on the whole is, I think is, I'm, I'm quite proud of it mm-hmm. as a fan. I know it's certainly not the best ground in, in the lower leagues. It's not as good as probably not as good as like Lynx Park or, or Gallabank or, or Gayfield to go and watch football but I think it's probably in the, the second tier of, of nice grounds to go and watch aye that's it. maybe if I could as well maybe like I'll put a wee a wee covered a wee another wee sort of covered terracing behind the the dugouts I think that would be quite nice because they're a hut that's in there I think that's used for five sides I think that's how it's been a long time since I've been round the back there it was used during the COVID period the away team would get changed in there but yeah, any sort, any sort of we, any sort of we covered terrace in there, so you could stand on the and, and see the game horizontally. If you, if you know what I mean, you could you'd see it at the sideways rather than up and down. I, I don't know the, the technical terms. I'm, I'm so sorry, <laughs> but you know what I mean. No, but there's something about uh, watching football in a stadium that is still that is kind of dated, but dated well. That still yeah. has its own uniqueness and has its own quirks rather than someplace like, I don't know, McDermott Park, for example, or mm. Livingston. Yes, they're modernish, but my goodness, they're dull. Yeah, definitely. That's why your 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 Capelos, your Somerset Parks. I think that's there's going to be really interesting to see one Somerset Parks properly finished. Because I think that's there you're really getting the the best of both worlds. Are you getting the the comfort of a modern ground, but it still has like the shed and the terracing behind one of the goals. And that's I think that's real, and I think it's a tough thing to to do right for supporters, where you still have that old school, otherworldly charm, but then bringing it in line with the, the modern era, because you need to, you know, you need to sell hospitality. That's a really important revenue stream for for clubs. I mean, I was just going to say, I mean, Morton is so inspiring that you had I forget his surname, Matt Callum, wrote that beautiful poem about it. This was Callum McFadden, who subsequently blocked me on Twitter, actually, I think after he was discussed during this. Yeah, he was going through this period when he was first breaking into to sports writing. 
where he gave off the pretense that he was a Greenock Morton supporter. Now, however, he got a job like being a, an audio commentator with Celtic. So he's a full Celtic sport. He's apparently supported Celtic all his life. But when he was first getting into it, he wanted to, to give off the impression he was a Morton supporter. And he said this in a podcast with John Hughes. Right at the very start, John Hughes asked him who he supported. He said Morton. And John Hughes made a joke about how, oh, Morton, et cetera, et cetera. As, as you do when, when someone supports a more unusual uh, football team. But no, it's since deleted from... Twitter, but he wrote a poem called Capolo and recorded it with his voice. And for a while, this is a real peek behind the curtain at the kind of antics we get up to from our filming a view from the terrace, where you would you would say to someone, "Oh my God, Joe, have you uh, have you heard this this new interview that that's just dropped with um for, I don't know like Pedro Casinha?" Joe, no, I haven't. And you play it, Capolo, Saturdays at three. It is the only place I ever want to be. Remember, uh, remember that you you kind of referenced that John Hughes interview. Remember, I listened to it and then I tweeted him about everything that was wrong about it, all the <laughs> all the inaccuracies, all the figures that was wrong, all the results that were wrong, and he tweeted back, "Thanks for listening." <laughs> <laughs> that's fair enough. I did listen. I, I gave him uh, exactly what he wanted. I that's right. I mean, I, I think the guy was sussed out quite early on. I think I remember reading a, a post on the the Morton forum where his sort of backstory and all was, was a bit, his allegiances to the town was called into question a wee bit, but now he's working for Celtic, he's a, a proper Celtic sport, and I don't doubt the fact, I mean, when I, when I, before I was blocked, I'm sure I would see him retweeted on the timeline quite a lot, like he is quite busy in terms of stuff, so I certainly can't fault his, his work rate, but mm, even so, even so. I must say, I'm a proper Stennis Muir supporter, <laughs> That's, like I'm not, not putting that on as an act, why would you? <laughs> Question from Neil Taylor, Sean. If your lower league team could have an affiliation with a foreign club like in football manager, who would it be? Mm, I, I mean, what what would you want from this as a as a fan of a lower league club? You probably want. I, I mean, it doesn't it doesn't need to be a big club. I, I think you probably want it to be from a country that is beautiful or mm-hmm. sunny or both, so you can potentially get like a really cool friendly. Yeah. Like it'd be good for them to come here, but it'd be even better if you could go there for a friendly. And you probably want some kind of link up so you can get exotic players from that team. So I know Wraith have, like I know because they, they have their away strip because it's the 100th anniversary of getting shipwrecked. Yeah, that's they, really they cool. I think the last Palmas. Now, I'll, I'll be honest, there is a suggestion that, that Wraith will play a friendly in Las Palmas next summer, or this summer, come in. I, I get the impression that last panels have just been polite in terms of their interactions on, on Twitter. So we'll see if that happens. I'm, I, I could be wrong. I, I could be wrong. I'm not I sure, though. Just imagine the sort of thing where they get in touch with the shorts. Yeah, that's cool. Listen, anytime you guys want a friendly, <laughs> just give a shout. The next day, the next day, Louis Vaughn's turned up with two suitcases underneath his arm. But see, in terms of... I think the most important thing, though, is being able to get exotic players. Because see, yes. if I could revisit any... Period of Wraith Rovers. Calderon period. Now, you've absolutely <laughs> nailed it. You've absolutely nailed it. Like, we weren't very good. So, like, yeah, we won the the second division it would have been at the time. But we weren't very good in the first division. We were bad in the first division, actually. But the list, like, see the, the three Argentinians. See if you want to, see if you want a, a, a kind of peek behind the curtain in terms of the vibe at Starts Park. See if you Google Wraith Rovers players, Baritza, and it's about 2003. So basically, they've been asked to turn up at the opening of a bar called uh, Bar Itza on Kirkcaldy High Street. And it's 
the bar manager, don't know his name, then Antonio Calderon, and he took the three Argentinian players. Mm-hmm. So you have Martin Hugo Prest on the left, you have uh, Romero Gonzalez, the goalkeeper, at the back, and then you have Christian Patino on the right. Now, to give you an idea of what they were like, so I, I loved uh, Martin Prest. Like, when he scored, he didn't score that often, but when he did, he would take his strip off, run to the corner flag, drape his strip over the corner flag, then rip it out the turf, and then just wave the corner flag about. <laughs> Brilliant. Extraordinary. Uh, Romero Gonzalez once got dispossessed at the edge of his own area while he was doing keepy-uppies. Can't remember who it was against. <laughs> Can't remember who it was against. We conceded. And uh, Patino. Patino was like a, like a, a kind of Tesco value Lorenzo Amoruso. Do so you know how like, Amoruso was ultimately a, he was a good defender. A, 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 a good a, a stopper. Very, a, good, a good stopper. defender. But he had a real terrible error in him. Yes. Imagine that in the third tier of Scottish football. Like a decent, a decent lump, I suppose. But every seven games would have an absolute disaster. Brilliant. <laughs> but it's how, it's how they're dressed. It's how they're dressed in that picture. So uh, Prest is wearing a, a suit jacket with a kind of aeroplane collar shirt that is over the lapels of his suit jacket. <laughs> and Patino is wearing, I think Patino's wearing a, a, I think it's either a leather jacket or a denim jacket. I think it's a leather jacket. But that also has a massive collar that's made of fur. And that is the vibe that, that Starts Park was giving out in, in 2003. They weren't very good, ultimately, but I loved it. And if you could get exotic players like that coming to Kirkcaldy, uh, again, it would just be uh, probably not a very successful team, but I would love it. Exactly. I mean, like, um, Nandy Mendy wasn't particularly good at Wraith Rovers, but we still talk about him very fondly. Cult hero. Cult hero. Who would you rather talk about? You, you, I mean, do we talk about Tom Lang with the same degree of reverence? No, he's never played in the African Cup of Nations. <laughs> I doubt you will. I remember tweeting out, it was what I missed, like when it was on the telly. I remember tweeting out, it was a Simpsons, you know, it's like when Homer's doing the voice of Pucci. And it was like, when, <laughs> when, when Pucci's not on screen, the other character should be asking, where's Pucci? And I tweeted out watching it. Was like, was it a Gabon? Did he play for Guinea Bissau? Was it something, something like that? Uh, Guinea Bissau or Guinea Bissau? Guinea Bissau. Yes. I was like, when, when Fernandy Mendy's not in the telly, the commentator should be asking, "Where's Fernandy?" And he actually tweeted me back. He said he saw it and and, and tweeted back saying, "Give me a thumbs up." I was like, brilliant. Do you know what? Do you know what was? Uh, do you know what was very disappointing though? See when he so he made his debut uh, for Guinea Bissau. And then it said that it, uh, I think they'd won three one. Whoever they were playing, goal scorer uh, Fernando Mendy. I was like, oh, bloody hell, that's incredible! And it turned out that they had two Fernando Mendes. Was the am so disappointed? <laughs> I always just get standing set up with the team. I'm yourself. I'm with yourself. Sure, I've got to think that there's probably the the other team. There's there's not going to be much in it for them. Let's just be honest. There's not going to be that much in it for them. Do you want a, a team that are going to send you really, really good players that can toughen, so Stennisware can toughen them up and then put them down and they get a bit more experience? Or do you just want somewhere you can go and have a nice uh, away day every summer? I've gone for the latter. I've gone for a nice place to go every summer. And I have chosen FC Trieste 
and they are an Italian football team. They play in Serie C, third tier of Italian football. You can tell I'm reading that off Wikipedia <laughs> just now. But I've just, I've, the reason I've gone there, I couldn't tell you a single thing about them. I just always wanted to go to Trieste. I think it looks absolutely beautiful. So, you know, if you think of Italy, how you've got the yes. big long bit down the middle, uh-huh. and there's the big bit at the top where the mountains are next to Switzerland and France. Mm-hmm. It's like this wee enclave that curves around. It's like almost like sort of Croatia. I think mm-hmm. it, it's, it's, it borders on Croatia. And I just think when you, do, you don't think, when you think of Italy, you don't necessarily think of these parts that border Slovenia and Croatia. And I just think that'd be quite a cool place. It looks beautiful going by the pictures. And I would I would like to go there. I'd like to go and watch Dennis Muir FC play there. I, I, just, I, I thought you might have said maybe somebody in Norway, since there's that, already that kind of odd link that you have to, to the nation. Apparently, it's very expensive, Norway. And judging by the sounds, I've got a ceiling to repair, so I can't afford <laughs> to go to Norway at the moment, Sean. So maybe, maybe next year. Maybe so, next so, year. so Trieste, Trieste is beautiful but cheap. I don't know. I haven't priced flights yet. I'm waiting for that link up between Stenisbeer and Trieste before I start uh, investigating flights. Ian McMenemy, if you're listening, get on the case. Question here, Sean. This is from Richard Stephen Williams. Isn't that your name's just all just first names? And that's the thing, they can all be moved around as well. That's but, well that's how many first names work. <laughs> yeah, but but I mean nobody's but you know sometimes you get a, a first name that also works as a second name and vice mm-hmm. versa. You never see someone with three names that are that could also be used as um, first I, names and last names. I always say that you should never trust a man with two first names, like John Terry, for example. You wouldn't right. trust him. I've I've never put this into practice when it's three first names. We're really into the unknown here. Would, he now has to write in and say how trustworthy are you? If Richard Stephen Williams said I can give you a fifteen percent return on your investment, <laughs> would you would you go all in with him? I, I, I would need to have more examples of men with three first names <laughs> before I give him anything. Well, this uh, the question from 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 Richard Stephen here. It's uh, actually quite. I think we might have touched on earlier, but this is kind of taken off on a different tangent. Despite the relative success of former Huntley boss Alan Hale, brackets left. <laughs> Do we think that we'll see another team emerge from the Highland League and ascend to the SPFL, or is the Lowland League just too strong now? I, I, I see where he's coming from, but I, I don't know if after this season the Lowland League is going to be particularly strong. I mean, you've got East Kilbride, oh, they're miles clear, might be 12 points. But then I think below, what I've heard that, that people are just desperate to get rid of them because they have completely skewered uh, the, the league. But below that, I think it's Cumbernauld, Colts, Trenent, and I... Uh, I'm, I've, I'm sure I read something about the fact that this is this is probably Trinent's last go at getting promoted. I think the I think their owner is is maybe right. leaving at the end of this season. You've got Bonesh, you've got Linlithgow. They're, they're decent sides, but unless something changes between now and the start of next season, I don't see any of them kind of running away the division. I mean, like Hearts B and like Hearts B are quite high. They might be second or third. So I don't know if and bear in mind I've, we've already suggested that East Kilbride are the stick out. I don't know if the rest of the Lone League is, is that good. Even the team that wins it next season, I would I would fancy them far less than in East Kilbride this time around. Whereas in the Highland League, like you think of Brecon, and I, I think the I think the suggestion, the belief is that well, Brecon will probably win this league and they'll be in the they'll be in the, the first round of the playoff against the against the Lone League. However, I think it's at Bucky that's when we've got three games in hand. Like the Highland League is a is a lot, lot tighter. So it might actually be that after this season. If East Kilbride uh, do come up, maybe the position of power might swing to position of power. Maybe the the likelihood of a team uh, from the Highland or Lone League might swing towards the Highland League a wee bit more mm-hmm. in the next two or three years. 
No, I think I think you might be right. That's that mirrored my thoughts there. Yeah, I think the East Coast Bride, as you said there, they've, they've they perhaps give the impression that the Lowland League is a strong division, but they're miles ahead. They're a bit of an outlier in terms of the fact that they, as we mentioned, can just sign players. Any setback that they've had this season, and I appreciate that I've seen on Twitter Mick Kennedy, their manager, complaining about the the number of injuries that they've had this season. I think a number of players have actually had to go in for operations, and it does sound like a lot. But rather than relying on your coaching or, or whatever, you, you just sign more players. I, I don't think there's any, any team that, that, can, that could really afford to, to do that beyond them. So, so East Coast Bride do skewer that division. And I think that in a couple of years, I think once you get your rid of your Edinburgh University and Gretna, they seem miles behind everyone else. And you replace them with the likes of, say, Clyde Bank, for instance, where to, where to go up, which would be pretty cool. Proper teams, and I'm and I'm using that like in quotation marks. I think you get a really competitive division. Ultimately, that's what you want. It's quite difficult to quite difficult to gauge the quality of it when one team's completely skewered than the rest. And you'd probably see in the Highland League. I'm perhaps out of my comfort zone a little bit here, but the impression I get from the Highland League is effectively like three leagues within with the one where you've got teams that are very very well backed at the top. A couple of teams that aren't well packed and then teams that are just miles off it at the, the bottom. So it's difficult to it's difficult to say. However, I would think that the teams that are well backed are perhaps better than the Lowland the Lowland League equivalents, mm-hmm. if you know no, what I mean. I, I know you mean but they're like certainly I, I think and again we're certainly no experts when it comes to Highland League, but there is a belief that, that Brechin are a, a decent team. However, the, the top of that Highland League is, is much more tightly bunched mm. than the Lowland. So if Brechin's decent then there must be four or five teams that are at least very close or, or maybe even better than that. So I, I do wonder if maybe momentum swings towards a Highland League Highland after the season. Highland League reminds me a wee bit of like the SWPL one where you've got three teams in it that are just like miles ahead of everyone else and they will win every single week and it all just comes down to the matches. You might as well just like partition these teams <laughs> off and just have them doing their own wee, like a three-way playoff, like a round robin. You might as well just do that. What, what's the point in seeing Rangers taking on like, like some Montrose or Dundee United or Aberdeen? No, no, no. Just get them playing against Celtic and Glasgow City every every week. And maybe that's what maybe that's what the Highland League should be looking to do as as well. That was a good idea for the divisions. I remember at the time thinking that sounds absolutely garbage, but the more I think about it, that sounds all right. But you would have the league it would split into division three divisions of eight. Do you remember that? Where you had two two large divisions. Mm-hmm. And they would split off into three small divisions. That's actually in at the time thinking, oh, that looks rubbish. But now, having had a thought about it, that actually might look all right. That, that middle division sounds dull. <laughs> right. Okay, that's a fair point. Yeah. Not a lot happening in that middle. That middle tier. You're playing for pride. <laughs> Something very important. Class. Class. This is a question from Callum Kerr. Now, I don't know if the same Callum Kerr that starred as PC George Kiss in Hollyoaks. I was actually watching some clips of PC George Kiss and Hollows. If it is, if it is the same Callum Kerr, Callum, you have got beautiful cheekbones. You're a very good looking guy, terrible what? actor, but a beautiful guy. Why were you watching clips of him? Because I watched, because we were cooking dinner earlier and I uh, was watching clips of Hollyoaks. But specific clips of him? No, 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 no not <laughs> Callum Kerr. I just happened to be, because I always found the, the John Paul George Kiss storyline quite fascinating. So I go back and revisit it from time to time. I like the fact that you said it. 
Maybe that's all. Why were you watching clips of Hollyoaks? And you went, well, because I was cooking. Is that that's what everybody? <laughs> like if you're just like rustling up some dinner, and then everybody automatically uh, watches clips of Hollyoaks. Oh, I was watching. I mean, earlier this evening, I was cooking my dinner. I watched a bit of Ouija's. Watched a bit of Hollyoaks. Anyway, if it is the same Callum Kerr, that's incredible. It probably isn't. Imagine Callum Kerr is a reasonably common name. Yeah, probably. There's yeah. more than one. Put it that way. Yeah, it's like in you know in London how you're never f- like more than ten feet away from a rat. Mm-hmm. It's probably like in Scotland you're no more than ten feet away from something called Callum Kerr. Anyway, Callum asks, you're casting a new blockbuster film and need a main actor, supporting actor slash sidekick, and a villainous character for them to go against. But you can only pick from current Lowland League players or managers. Who do you pick for each role and why? So I I, I deviated a wee bit because I, I found this quite tricky. But in terms of, if this is a blockbuster and you want a star to lead it, to give yourselves a better chance of success, you want somebody who's popular in terms of your, your, your main actor. So I was thinking, right, so who is very, very popular at their own club and, and who is also very popular in terms of if a job comes up anywhere else in the lower leagues, this person is always connect, or this person is always linked. They always want them to join. So I went for uh, Stuart Petrie as the, oh. as, the, as the leading man. And I know, that, uh, don't get me wrong, I mean, he's not old. Uh, he's not getting any younger. But if, if Harrison Ford can play Indiana Jones at whatever he is, 80, then there's no reason that, that Stuart Petrie couldn't replace him. No, that's, that's, a, that's a very good choice. For my, for my main actor, I just wanted, wanted charisma, razzmatazz, good looks. I wanted to basically recreate Jack Creature. I've gone for Tom Lang. Yeah, that makes I sense, doesn't the, it? the first scene, it'll be him in the shower. Mm-hmm. And it'll just be it'll just be lathering himself up. Mm-hmm. All lots of lots of smoky will have like sort of like <laughs> as the credits are coming up. Him mm-hmm. combing his hair. You never actually see his face properly, but he's sort of combing his hair. You see, it's like um, in question of sport. You know, <laughs> where they had to <laughs> maybe show you bits of him. That's what it'd be like for 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 this. He's he's combing his hair. You see his bicep as he's doing something, mm-hmm. and then just the name of the movie. Lang comes up and it's him sort of stepping out of the shower, uh, like we're fully clothed, and then into and then he goes into his Jaguar and then he's off to do his first mission. So the name of the film is just his surname, his real surname. Yeah, written, directed, starring, produced by Tom Lang. <laughs> I mean, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. Well, who's who's the sidekick then? Uh, so I, I struggled. This is where I deviated, but but I, so I, I kind of struggled with this. Cause I was like, right, so. Like sidekick, maybe you need maybe a young player, maybe someone who someone who's gonna be short. So I was trying to think of like a winger. Nobody was really kind of springing to mind. I, I was thinking like a Robin to yes, to, to I've thought, thought the exact same. But then I thought, well, wait a minute, it doesn't necessarily have to be like a Robin, a sidekick in that way. Like you'd have somebody that maybe so other kind of uh, super like the Punisher, for example, had somebody who maybe helped them with equipment mm-hmm. or weapons, or if you watch Blade. He had somebody that the Chris Christopherson. Yes, yeah. he had uh, Chris Christopherson helped him with his equipment. So I thought, right, well, who within Scottish football would be good at constructing equipment? Who would be good, for example, in a shed? And I thought the guy at Arbroath that has two pairs of glasses. Because if you have <laughs> if you have two pairs of glasses, you are good at cobbling things together in a shed. I imagine so what do these glasses do? And he throws them at something. Pfft. 
they explode. They're made of garlic. <laughs> for, 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 for my sidekick, I actually went and you know, like the, the sort of the Batman Robin type. Uh-huh. And I was thinking back to our podcast. I think it might have been I, it might have been you that was doing it with Fraser Clark. You were talking about Frankie Dean that plays for Edinburgh and the fact he's five foot two. That's why I've put him in there. It's the, the sidekick, just he's really short. That, that makes total sense. Absolutely. Total sense. Sense. There was, I remember actually listening to that podcast and I text Fowler and I said, Fowler, I'm listening to this podcast. I have never seen anyone that's five foot two in my life. I think Fraser Clark's at it. However, after the Stennis Muir drew 1 1 with his five, I went to uh, Sainsbury's, might have been in Leaven. Leaven and Methler right next to each other. Yes. Am I right in saying that? Mm-hmm. I think it was in Leaven. And when I was getting my shopping, there was a really short guy in the dairy aisle, so short that I actually had to put down my basket and send a text message to Fowler. So I was always in the vegetable aisle. That's what I was in the vegetable aisle. I had to send a text message to Fowler that um, I've seen a really short guy. I said it's in the vegetable aisle, and he thought I was joking, like just a really crude joke. I said, no, 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 no. Genuinely, this really, really short guy was in there um, weighing an onion. But it wasn't Frankie Dean. It wasn't Frankie Dean. No, no. This guy, this guy was really old. This guy, this guy oh. was really, really old. They're probably tall at some point, but is um, he's just eroded like a cliff face. <laughs> so who's the who's the villain? There? I'll tell you. Sorry, sorry, Sean. One more thing. You know, you kind of wanted somebody who gives them gadgets. Uh-huh. and know that's really a good voice. I went for a uh, Pink Campbell. I think yes. he'd be sort of mm-hmm. like a, a sort of um, uh, Lucius Fox type. Yeah, you know, just somebody who's just uh, I would go for Dick Campbell because that's two. I was but I thought Pink Campbell. You can't you can't have the real thing, so let's hire his non-union Mexican equivalent. To, to Still, can the I believe they're twins? What? What? what why? What? They, 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 they look dissimilar to one another. But they look really dissimilar. Yes. I don't know if you put Dick Campbell and Pink Campbell in front of me right now. I don't think I'd be able to tell them apart. Okay, if you say so. Okay, who's your villain then, Sean? So initially I was thinking, like, there's a lot of villains of facial hair. Mm-hmm. And initially I thought, right, if you shaved Jim Goodwin's head, he would look like Ming the Merciless from the Flash <laughs> Gordon film. But I'm like, nah, I'm not having that. Uh, so I thought, right, who else is, because from my hero, I thought, right, who is, is very well liked throughout Scottish football? I thought, well, who's the opposite? And it, I felt it had to be Ray McKinnon. Oh, the snake. yes. Oh. Judas. There we go, the, uh, the snake charmer. Mm-hmm. That's what it's like. Oh, that's what that's what he does. Um, there you go. Your hero goes to confront him in his garden, and because Ray McKinnon can manipulate things, a, a, a common garden hose suddenly becomes a cobra. <laughs> <laughs> And the guys, the guys, the guys wrestling. The guys wrestling with the cobra, and then that's where that's where uh, the snake charmer makes his escape. I was just thinking, like, what, like, why would Stuart Peachy be after Ray McKinnon? Like, what is <laughs> what crime is he committed? What, like, what could he have stolen from Scottish football that would make sense? I was thinking maybe he could have stolen uh, Jim Leishman's gold chain. <laughs> <laughs> I was promised Shane that's it and Stuart Petrie the Dunfermline legend's been sent him to to, to rescue it and that's, that's that's the thing so so he confronts him in his garden and says oh <laughs> think, you think you can come after me Petrie well here's something with a little bit of bite and then all of a sudden 
Petrie's hallucinating and thinks this garden hose is a is a cobra, wrestles it like one of Steve Irwin's <laughs> um, fancies. Hopefully, it comes out better than uh, Steve Irwin did with that mantery. <laughs> well, it's, it's just as well that, that Stuart Petrie's come against the snake charmer and not the mantery. <laughs> There you go, this film is coming together nicely. Well, yeah, I was thinking of like a, a villain and a, a secondary villain. I was thinking mm-hmm. along the likes of Die Hard. And since he's grown his beard, Michael McIndoe looks a bit like the guy in Die Hard who does the cocaine and tries to schmooze with Hans Gruber. You know the guy I'm talking about? Is he really a baddie though? He's just a suck up. Ah, well, sorry. I'm, I'm sorry, Michael McIndoe, you've got a beard. You're going to... <laughs> You get involved and then you, you you overplay your hand and then you you ultimately become collateral in this villain's quest for uh, for for Tom Lang. But I was thinking of it's, it's a it's a common trait that we see in in these films where the the villain and it's, it's a shame because it shouldn't be like this. But the villain has some form of of deformity. I don't think that's right. You shouldn't like link um, villainy to like deformity in people's appearances. But I'm going to do it in this instance here. And I was I was thinking for for a better version. No, I'll just I'll just leave it. I don't want to to to, to mention anyone who's 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 deeply unattractive. That's the film. I think who's who's quite nefarious. Then mm. I'll tell you what. You know what? I'll just pick I'll pick the snake charmer as well. <laughs> it can be like the 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 Lang metaverse. That's it. The snake charmer exists in different in different universes. <laughs> there you go. That's how, that's how sorted. There we go with uh, with Pink Campbell giving advice and uh, Michael McIndoe as the the secondary the secondary villain. This is good actually. This mm-hmm. this idea of um, just up at Station Park, like like what's new match? Like oh, you know, another scene he's a bit of a snake pit as always, and then he's got like uh, cobras and stuff like coming out of his sleeves, and then somebody comes to the door, and all the snakes like disappear up his arm. Yes, you good for training, Ray? Yes. <laughs> He's like Medusa. Yes, there we, there we go. That's it. He's combing his hair, and then all of a sudden, you're, shh. This is brilliant. This is, um, I mean, that. Uh, oh, I'll tell you who the villain. Paul Hartley would be the villain. There mm-hmm. we go. Paul Hartley would be the the, the, the villain in mine. Um, trying to think what his crime would be. Oh, there you go. There's Tom Lang going to um, go to bat for Falkirk after Paul Hartley ruined them. There you go. <laughs> you see, uh, you see, this is brilliant. I, I think a lot of people would say it's shit. I think that Sean, that's that's another bonus episode. You and I are going to for that for an hour discuss how we make Lang. Or maybe you could you could team up Lang and Petrie together, sort of yeah, the, the grizzled old, with with a with a really mm-hmm. uh, good looking guy, and then um, then Frankie Dean as uh, some some sort of just somebody who works at base. Or it could be a, a TV series, but it's like in a remake of Minder. Oh right! Um, I, I who was in who was in mind? Is that the one with the police officers? Uh, well, it was, it was no, that was uh, the Sweeney. Oh, I'm thinking that was the Sweeney. But no, I mean the Sweeney was before my time. I, I remember the Minder when I was wee. But like I had Dennis Waterman, who was like a kind of younger guy who was the the Minder, and then I right. had the older guy who was the, the kind of wheeler dealer that needed protection. I suppose. Right, right, okay. So there, there we go. So there, so so. This is one for the listeners. If you want to hear me and Sean talk more about Lang. Let us know, post on Discord, post on Twitter. Just send me and Sean the word Lang. 
and Sean and I will get working on a screenplay uh, based on the cast of of characters around around Scotland. Well, that's unfortunately this is that should have been the last question. That's a good way to go out. Now I got one from Ross here. Since the Terrace have adopted a Cove style hybrid model, which lower league journeyman, past or present, would you pick to join Fowler as the podcast's second full time signing? I, I really struggled with this one. I I, I was thinking of like we really want somebody who is eloquent, but maybe you want somebody who's a wee bit controversial as mm. well. Maybe ah. drag in listeners. Yes. I, I kind of felt I was like, right, who, who was controversial that people really disliked? So just before we started this podcast, I realised I'd never heard them speak before. And I went and listened to Josh Falkingham. <laughs> and he might have the worst accent and voice I have ever heard. Oh, oh I didn't like it when they beat their bed players. Went tough to me. He stayed back that time. <laughs> so we can't have him. Can't have him at all. Uh, then I was like, well, who else is just being a laugh for like daft reasons that, that might get in listeners just because of his past. And then I remember that Andy Rogers got banned for calling five <laughs> people calling five people mutants. But I didn't know if that was enough. Uh, and, and then what I did, I was like, right, last throw of the dice here. And I went, I was trying to remember who was particularly good, because you'll know better than me. I would like for the uh, Pelly podcast. So I Googled it to try and bring up all of the episodes. And I reckon saying that they've vanished. Yes, I, I didn't pay the SoundCloud subscription. So, I, need, I need to fix the ceiling. That's why. That ain't quite a month. I need to fix this fucking ceiling. So you know what? Ultimately, I don't think I have a definitive answer for that. So I hoped you maybe had some kind of shortlist and I could uh, maybe pick one from it. I've got an answer now. It's not necessarily a football player, Sean, but I, funnily enough, my criteria was the exact same as yours. You want somebody who's well-known. I'll draw on the listeners. Somebody who's good at writing, just in mm-hmm. case the, the terrorist wants to diversify. Somebody who's good at podcasting, very mm-hmm. important. Someone who has got... Someone who's... Jeez, oh. It looks like he plays um, like keyboards in New Order now, Tom McManus. You know, he's got that sort of look about him. Uh, but somebody, somebody who's good at podcasts, somebody who's good at multimedia, someone who's, who's got opinions and wants to share them. Jim Spence. <laughs> That's who I would like Fowler to make a come and get me play at, Jim Spence. Fowler, I know you'll be listening to this. Give him a shout. Get him involved. Put me and him in the same podcast. However, if we use Jim Spence, we have to use the... I'm saying that we have to do it. By all means, bring him on, bring him on board. But we have to use the original picture that the courier used to use uh, for his columns, which used to run down the full length of the page, oh. and it was him with his arms folded, folded against and his legs. The post. Like, yes. His legs were kind of crossed, but he was wearing flared jeans. Yes, an incredible look. Yes, he looked like uh, if you saw him from down below, you would think this is a man who all his other jeans are in the wash. And if you looked at him from the waist up, you think this is a man who's going to judge a livestock competition. So a, a, a remarkable combination that he had on there. Fowler, get him in. Me and Sean have spoken. Get the big man in. I, I've listened to him on uh, on a couple of podcasts and my goodness, he can read a league table. And that, is ex- <laughs> that, that is exactly what we need. I was to say, there's a lot of stuff like, uh, so how do you think Stuart Peaches get him in Montrose? Well, he's got them in fourth place at the moment, which is, which is really good for, for Montrose. That's exactly what we need. Fowler, if you're listening, we know you are. Make Sign contact. Shine him up. I think that'll do us, Sean. That's uh, that we've had a good run at it. If you want to continue to support the terrace, please jump over to our Patreon page. We have got three tiers. 
And I think most importantly, there is hours and hours and hours of content going up on the, the terrace. I listened to a, a really good podcast earlier today. It was um, Robert Borthwick and Tom Watt uh, eulogising about Mark McGee's time at Aberdeen. No, no, when he got sent to the stands at Pataudry oh, that time. Beg your pardon. A real so highlight. Yeah, so it was quite. I, I was, uh, that, that was quite funny. Enjoyed enjoyed listening back to that. I laughed out loud a couple of times at it. So that's good. And there's just loads of good stuff going on. Duncan Mackay is doing a book club. Um, so if you want to hear Duncan talk a lot, and I'm sure you do, <laughs> sign up. Simple as that. But Sean, we will go and record this Patreon about this horrible game of football. Uh, but please enjoy your football. But unlike the snake charmer, just do so respectfully. <laughs> Just do so respectfully. There you go, Sean. Somebody's running clean through on goal and all of a sudden they get bitten by an adder. How did that get there? It really is an adder, not the British snake that doesn't bite. No, but he's in control of all... Oh, does adder not bite? Um, well then, I don't, I don't know. Python, pythons don't bite. Cobras, has ever got to be traced back to cobras? Listen, I mean, he, he can do anything, anything he wants with snakes. He, he can do anything he wants with snakes. Somebody's clean through on goal and they get bitten in the ankle by a poisonous <laughs> snake. There we go. Take care. We'll see you soon. Cheers. Sports Social Podcast Network.